But anyway, that was that was a really pivotal moment for me. And as soon as I made the decision to end that relationship and to kind of put my religion on hold, my hair started growing back. I was happier. I didn't feel stressed anymore because I was. I realized I am now living on my terms, and that was a really big moment for me. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 137. We're Finn and Emma, and... Why'd you stop? Oh, I thought you were, you were motioning. I was directing <laughs> you with my finger. Keep going, we're... We're... I already said we're Finn and Emma. Okay, and what's happening? Today we're interviewing Kat. She is amazing. She's super bubbly and happy in this episode, so it's a lot of fun. I think she's probably bubbly all the time. Well, yeah, but I'm saying... I mean, not as bubbly as yours, truly. (laughs) It comes across in this episode. It does. And we're super grateful. We were put in touch with her uh, by Peter and Dana, who Mm -hmm. were in a previous episode, which I'm forgetting the number at the moment, but... It will be in the show notes, and you can go and check out that link. Also in our show notes are pictures of most of our guests, including today's. That's episode 117. For because any. I just looked it up. Emma episode 117. Up. She bailed me out. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead over to Normalizing Non-Monogamy. Check out the show notes. Um, you can also get to them in your podcast player below. And all of the resources that we talk about, plus many others, are over there. Before we get in the interview, we do have a quick few quick announcements. First up is the community announcements. We just had our, I think, third official meet and greet last week, and it was fantastic. We had over 20 people sign on and... A whole bunch of new people. Yeah. So we're not going to ramble too much about it. We're going to... We got some feedback right away, right after it. We had people tell us what they thought, and we are going to play a little clip from one of the guests. But the next one is coming up. And to be clear, this is a virtual speed meet. Virtual. We did not do this in person. Some people even wore masks. Well, they didn't really. I made that up. (laughs) But the next one we are scheduled for is Saturday, August 22nd. We're going to change it up and do it on a Saturday this time. And we're doing it a little bit later, so hopefully the West Coast contingency can show up in full force. It's going to be from 10.30 p.m. until 12.30 a.m. Eastern time. So that'll be 7.30 to 9.30 Pacific Pacific. time. Yes. So again, all of the information for that will be over on our website. And if you click on the meet and greet tab or um, down in the show notes of your podcast player, (laughs) it's a podcast player, podcast player, you can find out all of the information. And let's hear what one of our awesome guests had to say. I just want to say as as a, a lady who attended on her own that it feels very safe, it feels very friendly, it feels very welcoming. Um, so if you're one of those people, you should absolutely give it a try um, because you'll definitely find uh, a great safe space here. I'll be back. 
So thank you so much for the feedback. And we've got a couple other people's feedback that we'll be using over the next few weeks to convince you how amazing these events are. So be excited for that. Be bubbly like me. (laughs) All the time. All the time. So if you're curious about our video Q&A sessions, our next one is tonight. That is July 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern and again at 9 p.m. Pacific. And And to to be clear, this is different than the meet and greet. You kind of just transition hard there. I did. Give them a hard transition. So this is explain for our, what the Q&A's are. This is for our amazing Patreon community and shout out to everybody there who's supporting us. Thank you so much. Uh, we love each and every one of you and we're excited to have you be on these Q&A's. They don't exist without you. So if you're interested in learning more about that, head over to the community tab on our website and you can learn more about that. We won't say too much more, but it's a great time and the community is amazing. And if you happen to miss tonight, and you're listening to this later, we do have another one scheduled for later in August. So you are going to be able to join that one as well. We also will have a women's discussion group call coming up uh, in the middle of August and the exact date will be announced very soon. All right. So with that, we just wanted to say a quick thank you to our amazing sponsor, Alt Playground. But before we get too far into that, we just wanted to say that if you're a listener of the show, a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that our show is sort of built on a few things. One is safety um, and the other is inclusion. And if you're looking to maybe explore non-monogamy safely or more safely, our favorite recommendations for you would be to check out my one custom fit condoms links in the show notes, of course, and maybe a special discount. The other one would be stdcheck.com, which is a really great way to get tested for STIs. And that's how Emma and I get tested regularly. It's super easy, super fast. And using these links do support the show. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you. On the inclusion part, we've got one of the best ways on the internet to meet other amazing people exploring non-monogamy. Alt Playground. Alt Playground. Alt Playground is a dating website and for non-monogamous people. And I suppose you could also make friends on there, too. You don't have to just use it as a dating website. Yeah. Our motto is we only have sex with people. We don't make friends with them. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's actually not our motto at all. (laughs) Not even a little bit. I completely made that up. (laughs) But I'm bubbly. Yeah. All the time, right? Every day, every minute of the day. Alt Playground has some really cool features they're rolling out. They have community spaces, forums, and actually now you can make a video profile picture. Well, it's... Yeah, they're taking it to the next level. So when you're, you don't just have to like look at a static picture of these people. You can, they can record an intro, a hello. You can get a little personality. You can see if they're bubbly like Finn. (laughs) And all right there on their profile. Yeah. So if you're interested in checking it out, we highly recommend it. We've been meeting awesome people on there, at least for some virtual interactions. Uh, Check out altplayground.net. Head over to our website if you want and use the links there, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the resources page and you'll find links to all of the amazing resources that we recommend. And one last quick thing, please reach out to us on our website. Go to the contact page. We'd love to hear from our listeners. And if you want to be in a guest on the show, we'd also love to hear from you as well. Yes. And our apologies that this one got a little bit long. My bubbliness just... (laughs) I kept, Your rambliness. I kept bubbling on. and um, I'm ready for this new bubbly fin. Yeah, me too. We'll have to see where he's at. So everybody enjoy this wonderful interview with Kat, and we will see you on the other side. Let's go. All right. 
bright and early here on the west coast yeah well not bright just early <laughs> it's getting there sun's <laughs> starting to rise welcome cat we're excited to have you quick another quick turnaround interview so that's super fun when we when we can make those happen so welcome to the show and we're excited to hear everything you've got to say thank you emma and finn thank you for having me i'm excited to be here this morning so i think we should start with can you give the listeners a little bit, maybe a high-level introduction of who Kat is, and then we can dive deeper? Ooh, Kat is, oh, so much. I'm a very joyful person. That's probably one of the most happy things about me that I really identify with. And connection with other humans is very important to me. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, but grew up in Minnesota and have also lived in Argentina. Yeah, you gave us a little bit of background before we started. We're excited to hear all of the how that all worked out. So maybe really quick, can you explain what like what non-monogamy looks like for you? And then right at the moment. At the moment. And then yeah, take us back in time. Like, how did you get here? How did that all start? Yeah, absolutely. I currently identify as solo poly, which is a big change for me from the monogamous, very monogamous culture that I grew up in. And even as I started dabbling in non-monogamy, it was still very mono-influenced. And so even in my poly relationships, my early poly relationships, I'm still very new. I've only identified as poly for about a year. But within that year, it started off as very there's still some elements of codependence that I noticed, but even in the last couple months, I've really found identifying as solo poly, really independent, not depending and relying on my relationships anymore has been a big change for me and has become a big part of my non-monogamy identification. Yeah. And how, like you said, it's been about a year. So have you known about polyamory in this type of relationship dynamic? for longer than that or has this has everything been relatively new it's been relatively new i definitely heard of it and it seemed interesting to me but definitely not something that that i was drawn to i did have some friends that i i met back in 2015 who they they're from minnesota and it was this heterosexual couple that i met and about a year or two after meeting them this new girl showed up and he fell in love with her. It ended up being kind of a mess, but they figured it out. Um, and over the course of two, three years, they're now living together. They moved with me to New Orleans. Uh, we shared a house for a while and that was their first living together experience. But now they're happily in a three bedroom house with each have their own room. And that was um, my first exposure to a poly relationship that worked or they, you know, really struggled, but made it work. And I I was witnessing this as I was starting my own poly journey. And so I think that was helpful for me to see this is possible. It's not easy. It can be very messy, but it has some beautiful results. Right. Well, and I'm curious when growing up, I guess you, you were kind of exposed to this five or so years ago. Was that a huge, like, was that sort of mind blowing for you? Or did you grow up in a very open-minded liberal sort of background that made that sort of like, Oh, this is just, this is just the thing people do. My background was 
I grew up Christian, very focused on the whole courtship thing, where if you're dating, you're dating with the intent to marry. That is going to be your spouse for life. God intended it. And I believe that for many, many years until I almost got married on two different occasions to people that I did not truly love and was not compatible with. And I didn't start seeing the value in non-monogamy until I actually got married in 2018 to someone who was not, it wasn't, it was actually, there was some pressure to marry for visa reasons because he was from Argentina and we, in order for us to be together, we had to get married. And that, that was something that we knew that it might not work out and we were okay with that. But then we, our friendship had started very open, very sexually open and communicative. And when we became exclusive, that was kind of like, oh, we're serious now. We're going to become exclusive. But then a couple years into the relationship, we decided to start opening it up. And that was when I, around that time, so probably 2017 was when my other friends started to become a triad as well. And so during the couple of years before that, I was more and more exposed to non-monogamy in a positive way. And that came with my own sexuality as I started to embrace my own sexuality and, and seeing that you don't necessarily have to have one partner always and forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said like in, can you walk us through that, those early days a little bit, like when you first started opening your relationship? Oh, it was a mess. It was so bad. It started with some infidelity issues because we had been talking about opening the relationship. But, and I think there was some pressure on that because I think there was some pressure on that because we were experiencing desire for other people and, and we were open about that. But then when it actually came down to like, let's talk about this and open up the relationship, there was a, an instance where I was unfaithful or I kind of jumped the gun before we had that sat down and fully had the conversation. I jumped the gun on that turned out bad. Anyway, we did open up communication. We did start opening up the relationship. It was quite one-sided. I was, I was dating a lot more than my partner was. And when we moved to New Orleans back in at the end of 2018, we jumped into it more. He ended up falling in love with somebody And that was really, really hard for me. We were not communicating well. We were not respecting each other. We were not respecting each other's boundaries. And it just completely fell apart. And our relationship was already on the rocks. There were some really, really unhealthy aspects in that relationship looking back. But when we split up, which was one of the best things I've done for myself um, in the last few years, ending that relationship was really good for me. So when, when that split happened... I sat myself down and said, why did this not work? Why did opening our relationship not solve all our problems? And I learned that, oh, the relationship was never going to work anyway. And I started to do research into non-monogamy and what does work. And I totally threw myself into the Multi-Emory podcast, which has been an incredible resource for me. I also read The Ethical Slut, which was a lovely book. So that book and then multi-amory podcast, I would say, were the two biggest resources for me. Yeah. Great resources, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I was curious, 
before we started recording, you said when you moved to Argentina, you, in your words, jumped into sort of a, a slutty exploration phase. And I mm-hmm. was just curious if you could talk about the transition out of super religious background, almost getting married to two different people. And then it sounded, sounds like it was almost this like awakening that Mm -hmm. you were exploring lots of things and then you got into this relationship with your husband, but you weren't ready to settle down. And just like that transition out of the religion and into the sort of the new cat. Yeah, I'm going to be totally frank. That that transition was not a totally healthy one. I was studying abroad in Argentina and I was engaged at the time to my second partner. When I was 18, I was involved with someone who I almost got engaged to. Then in college, I was engaged again. I was supposed to get married to him as soon as I returned from Argentina. But while I was down there, I actually, the the thing that I was definitely pressured into sex the first time. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, I have cheated. I guess now I've crossed that bridge. There's no going back. And I kind of, then I started trying sex with people, with other people, because I'd only ever been with one person before. And so this is the first time that I was able to explore what I liked and the thrill of meeting someone new and going home with them and one night stands. And it was really, really exciting. There was some, it wasn't the safest approach to that. And I, since then I've, I've gotten much higher standards for myself with the way I approach sex, but that was, it was a lot really quickly. And it, I, I think I did it. I definitely did it in an unhealthy way, but it did help me realize that what I was doing wasn't working. And that I was not happy to get married and be with that person for the rest of my life. End of story, happily ever after. And so I I told my fiance at the time, I want to stay in Argentina. I don't want you to move here. We're done. And that was really hard. I actually, leading up to that moment, I was losing my hair. I could not sleep. I was partying all the time and I, I was miserable. But as soon as I made that decision, not just to leave my fiance, but also to leave my religion, that was happening at the same time because they just, they were so paired together. Because for me to say, I do not love you. I don't believe that God meant for us to be together. That this doesn't feel right to me. I also kind of had to admit that this religion isn't working for me because I'm not happy in this it was it felt like an arranged marriage to me because it was kind of more of his decision than mine but anyway that was that was a really pivotal moment for me and as soon as i made the decision to end that relationship and to kind of put my religion on hold my hair started growing back i was happier i didn't feel stressed anymore cuz i was i realized i am now living on my terms and that was a really big moment for me Yeah, it was like some freedom, right? And being authentic to who you are. Yeah. And that's been a really common theme since then is freedom and being authentic. Yeah. Well, and and so when you sort of set yourself free at that point, how did things shift while you were in Argentina? Did, Did you start exploring it? or start learning more and more about yourself? And like, how, how did that growth look? 
I did. So that would be the next phase of my life, which was I joined a band. (laughs) (laughs) And it was amazing. I lived my rock star. It was like three years. I got to be a rock star. It was wonderful. It was the partner that I ended up marrying. So I met him when I was studying abroad. We hit it off. We were best friends, completely inseparable. We had some wonderful travels together and we had great chemistry on stage. And so we formed a duet started writing together, started touring Argentina and the United States. We released three EPs and it was amazing. That and also as we got into the third year of doing that, the issues within the relationship started to appear and it became very stressful and unhealthy for me. But that was that time being able to explore that, not have obligations and just be doing the thing, a thing that I loved was so impactful and so freeing for me. Well, and did, when you were doing that, were, did you shift back into monogamy with him as you were touring and as the two well, of you were she had ne- She hadn't ever, ex- like you didn't, you didn't know about non-monogamy until this right. right? Yeah. It was when we first started the band, I, well, we had a threesome at one point and that felt super cool. <laughs> uh, that was early on in our relationship. But in the decision, we went from best friends to in love to, okay, we're in love. And now I think we're ready to be exclusive because that's what you do. You know, the relationship escalator. And we were definitely on that. And we, we wanted to get married for visa reasons before we fell in love. And it was something we had discussed. And so it was nice that there wasn't that same pressure on the marriage as there was for me before. And that's why I was willing to get married as early in the relationship as we did. Right. And this time it wasn't the religious reason. It was a more of a convenience reason. Yeah. And it was definitely for love. We we were so in love, super compatible, best friends. It was definitely the right decision for us at that time. Things did change and splitting up became the right option mm-hmm. for us. But I, I, it's definitely just because that relationship didn't work out. It's not something I regret at all. It was the right decision for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, and it allowed you to open, I mean, you said it was a bit of a disaster, but it allowed you to start taking those baby steps to opening a, like experiencing an open relationship for the first time. Yeah. And I learned what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you mind talking about that for anybody who's wondering what not to do? Lord, it was so bad. (laughs) It was, we were, so in September of 2018, it was brought to my attention actually by the poly trio that I, so there was a poly trio that I became friends with. They weren't a trio when I met them. There was a couple and then about a year into our friendship, they started becoming involved with another woman. So they were three of my closest friends and they actually joined us on tour for a while. And at the beginning of the tour of 2018, they came to me and said that they believed that my husband was emotionally abusing me. And that was horrible, a horrible thing to realize, but it also made a lot of sense. And they, they kind of helped, helped me through the process of standing up for myself for the first time. So that's a little background to that. It was the relationship itself was very toxic. I had a lot of fear and us opening the relationship 
only made it worse and actually gave him one more thing to use against me because I was dating more freely than he was when we finally did decide to open it up. And when we moved to New Orleans, that was... So actually the the tour was not going well. It it totally fell apart. So we decided to end it early. This was our, our third and final tour. We ended it early and all five of us, so me, my husband, and this poly trio who were really good friends of ours, all moved to New Orleans and we shared a house together. And that was when my husband and I really started doing the open relationship thing. We kind of just both launched ourselves into these other relationships which in hindsight, I I realized was very clearly an escape from our relationship, which was causing us both a lot of pain. And my husband, I had a lot, I had casual relationships. I wasn't interested in falling in love, but my husband did fall in love. And it, there ended up being a lot of secrecy, some things that were hidden from me, especially around sexual safety. And it made it very clear to me that my boundaries were not being respected And I am not guiltless either because I was also being secretive about how often I was spending time with certain people because there was a partner that he was trying to veto. And so, of course, I was like, no, I'm I'm just not going to tell you that I'm still seeing this person. So there, there was a lot of unhealthy ways that we were handling our own issues and that affected the way that we were doing non monogamy. So when that relationship ended, I committed to myself to to not be dishonest anymore and to not do it in a way that wasn't ethical and that wasn't truthful. Right. Well, one of the things that you also said when before we started recording was that you had started exploring the play scene in New Orleans. And I guess I was also curious, like, what other... Besides polyamory, how how have you explored non-monogamy and what did that look like? And you don't have to go into like all the graphic details, but... No, I, I love that question because I, I think it's it was very impactful for me as well. I remember one moment in the fall right after, or in the winter right after I moved to New Orleans. So this was the beginning of 2019. I was walking in a kind of kinky lingerie shop with a good friend of mine. And they were telling me about their experience with the play scene in London, where they had lived the year before. And I was looking at all this fetish wear, and I turned to my friend and I said, I would love to be able to wear something like this. I just have never been to... I'm just not comfortable with sex. I'm not comfortable with my sexuality. I I can't imagine wearing something like this in front of people I don't know. (laughs) Fast forward like three months, a very good friend of mine who was one of the very first friends that I made when I moved to New Orleans was the captain of the orgy team at Yale. <laughs> well, well, what's, an, what's an orgy team? I didn't know there was the such orgy, a thing. The orgy club. Sorry, it was an orgy okay. club. And he was this like ringleader for orgies and events. And he... he <laughs> so he, he was very... He's very involved in the play scene. He hosts a lot of parties. I had never been to one of his parties, but in about in the spring of 2018, he invited me to one of his parties and I had been invited to a play party before, but I didn't feel comfortable. But this person who I was very comfortable with, I'd been to his house before, which was where the party was going to be. 
I felt safe accepting the offer. And so I went to my friend who I was at that lingerie shop with and said, Hey, I was invited to this play party. Will you go with me? And I did my research. I like went online. It was like, what to do at your first party, at your first play (laughs) party. And one of the things that I took away from that was you do not have to play. You do not have to get naked. You can go there, make friends, not even touch anybody if you don't want to. And that is totally acceptable. And me learning that was like, oh my God, I don't have to do those things. I can just go and treat it like a house party. That was what made me decide, yes, yes, I want to go. Yes, that is in my joy. I am a fuck yes. <laughs> if you want me to, I, do you curse on your show? Because I can. Yeah, we no, totally, no, you're fine. You totally yeah. can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, so I was definitely a fuck yes to that. And I went with my friend who had also never been to one before, but was also interested because they, they were already into kink and had been in that scene, but never to a play party. So we went together. We wore something cute. I wore cute lingerie underneath my outfit just in case. I ended up not taking any of my clothes off. I cuddled with people. I made out with a cute person. I watched my friend get massaged by like four people at once. (laughs) And it was beautiful. I I felt so welcomed. And it, it felt like such an open, honest space and very vulnerable. And that was really appealing to me. So I left that party feeling really good about the experience and wanting to go deeper. And so from from there, I continued to go back to similar parties in the in New Orleans. And each time I went, I became more and more comfortable in my body, which was something I, I had struggled with for a long time, was being nude in front of people who weren't like a romantic partner, even in front of friends. That was a struggle for me. And so there were so many benefits to my body image to the way I view sexuality and a lot of positivity has come from that. And part of my, I'm currently living with some lovers in Virginia, which I can, I can, t- I'll have to go back and talk about that a little more, but our relationship kind of started with, it was, we connected online and it started with, Hey, we, we vibe really well. We should play together sometime. And that conversation led to a much, much deeper relationship. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's amazing that the play scene or the orgy scene, and I'm, I'm stuck on the orgy club, but we'll come back to that in a second. But that, that, that was... I might send him your way so you can interview him sometime. I'm sure yes. a lot of fun stories for you. Yeah, I didn't know that universities had sanctioned orgy clubs. Maybe this was like a fringe Apparently, club. I think he started it at Yale. I'm not sure, but it was apparently that was a thing that the school supported. Wow. Yeah. Well, that is, that's a first. We've yeah. We've heard of that uh-huh. before. So. We'll, have <laughs> we'll have to follow up with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's awesome that that was a huge benefit in your self-confidence and so much growth came out of that. Well, and I'm so thankful that you did a little bit of research and you found that you don't have to take your clothes off. Like you don't have to do that. Exactly. Things. And so mm-hmm. that going into that experience, I'm assuming, well, and please like from what you said, you obviously felt so much safer going into that. And I'm so glad that that hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And it being at the house of someone that I trusted deeply 
and hosted by someone that I trusted deeply with another friend that I felt very safe with. That all was a perfect situation for me to have my first play experience. Well, right. And it's kind of a 180 flip from the early Argentina days where you were, you were kind of exploring your sexuality, but like you said, in not the healthiest or safest way. And now you you had an opportunity to do that. And that's, yeah, yeah. It's, this is like a redo. I'm like, Oh, I I get to be slutty in a safe way now and in a way that's really healthy and wholesome. Right. Well, besides being coming more comfortable with yourself, what other things did you learn about yourself and your sexuality during that time? I have started exploring kink and that's been really cool for me. Impact play has been really interesting and and it's cool to see how our bodies, how we react to it emotionally. And it can be a very bonding, trusting experience with a partner. That's been something that I'm still... Again, this has only happened in the last year. So this is all very new to me. And I am I am diving right in because I'm learning so much about myself and about the world and about people. And a- another thing that was really fun for me was I was dating. I had this partner in New Orleans for about nine months that he is a male-bodied, male-identified, identifying person but very feminine and does kind of like the idea of female pronouns and also loves to be cute and pretty and so that this was impactful for me because he really enjoyed wearing women's clothing he liked the feel of being in a dress or in cute female panties and I in seeing the joy that he got in feeling feminine and seeing how fitting that was for him and dressing him up in some of my clothes, that helped me steer away from this kind of transphobic mentality that I had grown up with where, oh, a man in female clothing is either humorous or perverted. And that has been really wonderful for me to see. No, it does not have to be either of those things. It can actually just be a really wonderful way to express one's sexuality and one's body. Um, so since then, seeing men feeling sexy in lacy clothes or really skimpy feminine outfits, that is now something that I find very attractive because I see it as a way that this person who is told, no, you can't wear these things, is able to feel themselves by wearing something a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. And I guess, can you talk us through a little bit more of over the last year? So it's only been a year that you've, <laughs> that you've yeah. gotten, I wouldn't say on a, maybe on a better path than you were before. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through what a little more about what that's been like the last year? <laughs> well, it was April of last year was when I moved out of the shared room that I had with my husband, moved into the laundry room. And I was there for a couple of months. Laundry room. I bet that was a little cozy. (laughs) It was. It's, I was fortunate. It's a very spacious laundry room. And (laughs) I had a little, like, I put a painting up in there. I put a rug in it. I had a bookshelf. And so I made it feel homey because it, it was a big deal for me. And my roommates at the time, the 
the triad. They helped facilitate that for me. And then a couple months later, a spare bedroom opened up in the house. And so I moved into my very own room and that was a big deal. And that was really exciting. And this was around the time when I, when I entered the play scene was uh, spring of last year. And so separating myself, cutting most contact with my husband and also starting to surround myself with loving, authentic people in the poly community who understood what I was trying to do and I'm feeling very supported by them. That was, that really kickstarted this new life for me. At the time, I also had a job that I loved. And after three years of being on the road and struggling and not knowing what I was going to do with my life. So I, I now work at a hotel. I'm a supervisor of a luxury boutique hotel near the French Quarter. And I cannot be happier. It's it's such a wonderful job. And so all these things were just falling together in a way that was so, so positive for me on so many levels. And I started... It, being in New Orleans has been really important to me because of this sense of community that I haven't had when I was, I mean, for seven years. So from college to living in Argentina and then to being on tour, I was not in the same place for more than, I don't know, like six months for seven years. So when I moved to New Orleans and when I surpassed, when I reached a year in New Orleans, that was a big deal for me. Cause I, I was like, I own a couch. I've had the same job for a year. This is a big deal for me. I'm an adult. And that stability and the community that came with that too was huge for me. My birthday last year, I probably had about 20 people in my house and I had furniture that people could sit on. And I had these friends that I had made since moving there. And it was, it was such a wonderful thing to experience. So that, that has been one of the big things that came from the last year. But then also the sexual freedom and communication. So communication, I would say, is another big one for me. When my roommates first drew to my attention that um, my husband was emotionally abusing me, I started to take action to protect myself. And one of those actions was start communicating better. Make your, make your feelings heard, speak without exaggeration, just speak the facts, say, I am feeling this. And so I I actually started practicing communication in a very one-sided way for a while, but that really kick-started. I think that was very helpful for me when I started communicating more openly in my non-monogamous relationships in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And So can you talk a little bit about, if you're comfortable with it, like where you're at today? Because you said you're, you're visiting, you're visiting some partners and. Seems like it's become more than just a visit to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's really exciting. So it's Peter was the one who led me to you two. And I met Peter because I, so like I said, the the podcast Multiamory was a wonderful, wonderful resource for me. And has been this in, on my entire poly journey. I actually started to <laughs> listen to their podcast from the very beginning. And <laughs> it's it's so hard. There's so many of them. I think I've listened to 
over a hundred, probably close to 150 of their episodes so far. And I'm trying to listen to all of them. Um, but I got connected with the Patreon community. And so I started supporting them on Patreon and I became a member of their exclusive Facebook group. (laughs) And when quarantine started, they also opened up a video chat that happened twice weekly on Tuesdays and Thursdays to connect with other multi-amory listeners. And so on those video chats, I started seeing some of the same faces. And on one of them, I learned that there was a Facebook chat. And I said, hey, I would love to be part of this chat. Can you can you invite me? And so I got in on the chat and it was kind of a more it was a more intimate space to converse about things that are happening in our lives. And once in that chat, I started making closer friendships. And then a few of us were like, hey, I have an idea. Let's do a sexy chat. Let's send each other nudes. (laughs) So four of us broke off. I kind of was the one who became the ringleader for this project. And we titled it (laughs) Multi-Spicery. And so there's probably about, I don't know, like 15 of us that are in, 10 or 15 of us that are actively talking in that group and we're just supporting each other in our sexuality and being beautiful sexual beings and it was in that chat that I really started to connect with Peter and his partner with whom I am now living temporarily and it started with (laughs) this is so funny I actually he had sent me a friend request because because he he thought that I would need that in order to add him to the the sexy chat. And I remember getting a friend request from him and I had gotten like five friend requests earlier that day for that same reason. And I was a little bit annoyed by it at that point. So I got a friend request from him and I was like, another. So that was my first, <laughs> my first reaction to connecting with him on there was just kind of a little mild annoyance, which cracks me up because so much has changed since then. But I connected with, him and his partner. And he invited me to this. I had expressed that I really like exhibitionism. I like to be seen in sexual context. And so he invited me to this virtual play party. I wasn't able to attend it, but that opened up that conversation about play and play parties. And he and I started a dialogue for that reason. And then he sent me his episode with you two Uh, Oh yeah. With the episode of him and his partner. And I, (laughs) again, this is so silly. Again, when he sent that to me, he had already sent it in our Facebook chat. And when he sent it to me again, I I felt annoyed because I felt pressured to listen to it. And I had already wanted to, but he sent it again. And I was like, Oh, I don't, okay. Fine. I'll listen to it. So I did. And after listening to that episode, I was like, oh, I like these people. I really like Peter and Dana. I want to be their friends. <laughs> and so Peter and I kind of launched into this wonderful, wonderful friendship. We started talking about, I don't, honestly, I don't even know what we talked about in the beginning of our relationship, but we, we just had such good energy together. He and I are both very joyful people and love to spread that joy. Actually, his he goes by the nickname Happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. But yeah. he and I started talking about... 
he and I started talking about playing together and he said, Hey, there's this week long trip that we're doing in on the coast of, I don't know, I think it's in North Carolina. He said, you should join us. And so I was invited to meet with their tribe, which is their kind of community of partners and friends. And I got on the zoom chat with them. And after we hung up, he sent me a message saying, everyone's a fuck yes to you joining us on this trip. And so he, he said, come out here, come vacation with us on the beach at the end of June. And this was back in April, I think. And after that, this was, it, it all happened very quickly. This was very end of April that he invited me on this trip. And about a week later, I connected with Peter because I was starting to make the final decision to kick my husband out of the house or to, to ask him to leave, to ask him to find lodging elsewhere because it was such a, I, I found his presence to be, to have such a negative impact on the household. And me and another roommate of mine, we get along so well and we're both very positive people, has really good vibes. And her, she and I both decided that we were ready to have a different roommate. And so I actually called Peter to connect with him on this because he had had some similar experience with, well, a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so I called him to, just to tell him, these are the options that I've written out for myself. These are all the possible scenarios for how I can handle this. And he really helped me talk through that process. And it was after that conversation that I kind of sat for a moment and I realized, oh shit, I'm in love. <laughs> and it happened so quickly. I just very, very quickly connected with him and, and felt a lot of strong love for him. And shortly after that conversation, he invited me to fly out to Virginia a few weeks early. And so I actually got here at the end of May. I flew out here at the end of May. And when originally I was supposed to fly out like late-ish June. So I got here about three weeks earlier than originally planned. And we had no idea how it was going to turn out. We had never met each other before. It was me. So it was Peter. It's Peter's place. And then his partner and then her other partner. They're all quarantined together. And so I, I was careful to make sure that I wasn't going to bring anything undesired to them. And they invited me into their little quarantine bubble. And I mean, it, it was a lot of trust to be like, we've never met each other before. We don't know what it's actually going to feel like, but we were all pretty sure that based on our, the way that we communicate with each other, that we were going to be just fine. And we are just fine. It's <laughs> I've never, this is the most bizarrely intensely poly situation I have ever been in where it's me, a partner, a metamor, and a metamorph who is also now my partner. And it's, it's wild and it's beautiful and there's so much love. And I feel like these people are my family and I feel home. And when I told my friend, oh, these people are flying me out to Virginia to vacation with them, where, you know, it's my partner and some other lovers, it just sounds so wild and adventurous and i mean it is <laughs> but i'm also so happy to have met these people and to have been fully embraced by them and to be welcomed into their nest 
of love. Yeah. It's incredible. And yeah. it's like, it just watching and hearing the joy on your face is like, it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been so cool. I actually did get an opportunity to meet his kids and his parents as well, which was not part of the original plan, but it happened. And that's been fun. There is also quite a big age difference between us. And so that's been really interesting for me. We're about, he's 23 years older than I am. And I'd never been involved with someone much older than me until I started getting into non-monogamy because I realized, I would say the biggest thing is the way that the way that communication is happening, I think allows for those big age differences to not really cause as many roadblocks because we're open, we're loving, we believe a lot of the same really fundamental things about life and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, that's fantastic. And thanks for, for touching on that a little bit. Cause that's, yeah, I mean, that's an important part of the puzzle as well. Have you been open about this with your family and friends from the, you know, back in the religious, we'll call it the religious days. <laughs> <laughs> I, did come out to my parents right before I made this trip out here to Virginia because I realized my parents are going to have a lot of questions for me if I tell them I met these people through a podcast and they're flying me out to the beach to vacation with them. Actually, not just a beach to vacation with them. I'm going to go live with them for a month. So for my, so I realized I really need to fill my parents in a little more with what's going on with my life because for me to say I met them through a podcast... I knew my parents were going to ask questions because they're very interested in me. I have wonderful parents. They are very, very religious. We have different views, but they are so loving and so accepting of the decisions that I make. And so I did come out to them as Polly, which apparently they already sort of knew because I showed them this music video that, that implied kind of a Polly dynamic. And they already knew that my friends were Polly and... So they kind of had a guess. And so I came out and they were like, yeah, we kind of knew, but we wanted to let you tell us yourself. And they were very loving about it. They did express some boundaries about what it would look like if I brought partners to visit, but they were all, but both of my parents were very loving and, and really embraced that. And it's, it feels really good to not have secrets with them anymore. And I feel like that was the big one that I, I now don't have to pretend that I'm someone that I'm not or that I do relationships in a way that I don't. And I would love for my parents to meet my any, any partners that are uh, really a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really opened the door for that. And I haven't introduced them to any of... I haven't introduced them to Peter yet, even on video call or anything, but I'm not in a rush. I know that when I'm ready for that, that they'll be more than happy to embrace whoever it is that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome that they were so supportive. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. I'm um, not everyone has. I definitely, I definitely call it coming out. That's, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, like yeah, I'm just so. It makes me so happy to hear that they were so supportive of you, uh, and they are so supportive yeah, of too. you, especially and coming from so a religious background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I know that I. I am so fortunate and I'm so grateful for, for the way that they support me because I know that not everyone has that. And that causes a lot of pain for some people to not have the support of their family for something that's so meaningful to them. Right, right. 
Well, and maybe kind of leads into like where do you think or where do you see things going in the future for you? Not necessarily just with Peter and the living situation, but just in general, like where do you hope that this journey takes you? Hmm. I hope that this journey leaves me with lifelong friends. I'm not as focused now, especially being solo poly, where I'm not I'm not really trying to seek out lifelong partners or nesting partners, especially. I definitely do desire lifelong romantic partners, but the focus is on lifelong friends or, or lifelong people that feel like family. And that's what I'm starting to to develop with the people that I've met in New Orleans and my little family out here in Virginia. I right now am really enjoying having roommates and or living by myself and just letting me be the person that guides me or being my own priority because I lived so much of my life putting so much weight on my romantic relationships. Ever ever since I started dating, all my energy went into my romantic partners. And when I started pulling back from that and investing more in my platonic friendships, my I, I suddenly realized, oh, I, I don't need to cling to these relationships so much because I have this beautiful intimacy with a multitude of people. And so I would say, to answer your question, I see myself wanting to focus on building family with my friends, again, relationship anarchy in not putting as much importance on a romantic partner or like, oh, having that one person that I'm going to grow old with. But I really like the idea of growing old with a bunch of friends and lovers and and people who are family to me. That feels really appealing. You know, before we wrap up the interview here, we have a couple more things we'd like to touch on. And one of them is, you know, you said back in Argentina, you weren't always the safest in your approach. And I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about how your how you are handling your sexual safety as well as your physical safety while exploring all of this and what you've learned and how you're how you're taking it moving forward. Oh yeah, absolutely. One thing is I am a lot more consistent with using protection. I wasn't before because I kind of didn't really care or it wasn't talked about as much. So maybe it wasn't as much on my radar. And so it was really easy for a condom slip to happen. I'm no longer really into the whole get drunk and go home with somebody thing anymore. And that was something that I did a lot in Argentina. And now there's a lot more conversation. I mean, it's just, it's part of the normal, like, hey, we're going to have sex. Let's talk about what the things we need to talk about before we engage in this. Got that whole spiel going on. And it's very comfortable now because it's practiced and it's the kind of people that I'm surrounded by know that that is a conversation that we have. And so before I flew out here to Virginia, I made sure that I got tested because I knew I was entering into a new space with people that I hadn't engaged with before. But in general, I don't, I, I use protection with all partners. I sometimes will make an exception if a partner and I decided to be, decide to be fluid bonded. But I, I, and I think that can feel really special and it's convenient, but it's not always necessary. And I, I think being protected with everyone can help 
it, it just in- increases the or decreases the likelihood of, of spreading anything unhealthy. And yeah, that's been, it, it feels really good to be protecting myself and to also be focused on um, wanting to protect those I love as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think it sounds like eliminating the getting drunk and going home with people. Not that, not that we shame anybody for doing that, but that probably has helped increase this, the physical safety as well, right? As the sexual safety. Yeah. And, yeah, and there still is an appeal in that, but I'm careful about in, in what situations I do get drunk enough that... Actually, you know what? My standards are so much higher now that I think even if I were drunk, it would be so much easier for me to say, you know what? No, I don't. I don't want to go home with you. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> right. Well, and, uh, so and that's again, been helpful too. Yeah, and again, not to like shame anybody who that's how they roll. Like, it, if that if if you've found a way to make it work and it's working, then go for it, right? But uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's I and I loved that time in Argentina. There there were absolutely situations where I was like, it was great. It, it was honestly great. There were just some of the scenarios were definitely not safe. So as a whole, I see it as a period where I was not practicing very good safety. I definitely could have had that same experience in a way that wasn't as dangerous to myself. Right. Right. Well, and, and one of the other things that we like to ask to maybe follow on that, to maybe make it a little more lighthearted is the, if you've had any bloopers in your time exploring non-monogamy or I guess even before that just some some we found that sharing some of these funny stories helps people understand that it's not always perfect and that it's okay to laugh at our mistakes I do have a funny story it's not necessarily it's not explicit to non-monogamy but it's a funny communication and love language story this that's fine yeah that's great (laughs) yeah and it's so it, it does not reflect great on me. It was a learning experience for me and I'm very happy to share it. I was, so this is a, a very dear partner of mine that I, I was involved with in New Orleans and he's an incredible violinist. He's been playing violin since he was a little kid. And at one point he left his violin at my house because he, he had it there and then he had to go somewhere. And he said, well, I'm gone. You're, you're welcome to pick it up and play it if you like. Cause he knows I'm musical as well. And I hadn't really played his violin before. It was kind of earlier in in our relationship. So he left and I took out the violin and was playing it a little bit. I noticed it was really dirty and it had a lot of resin on it, had a lot of just like dust and things on the entire thing. So me being the wonderful loving girlfriend I am, of course, I Googled how to clean a violin safely because I knew this was one of his most prized possessions and I wanted to do it right. And so I did this wonderful gesture of love and cleaned his violin for him and it looked amazing. And so later that evening, he pulled it out to play and he looked at it and I said, see, I cleaned it. And he kind of looked over at me and he didn't say anything right away. So I said, don't worry. I Googled how to do it safely. I didn't hurt your violin. And he smiled. He kind of chuckled a little and he said, thank you so much. That was so sweet of you. However, I really like the aesthetic of an old-timey violin. And so he had intentionally let the resin build up for years because he liked the aesthetic. Because he had been classically trained, kind of forced into it as a kid. 
And as he got older, he started to explore this different style that he more identified with. It was a little more freeing. And so my act of love ended up being actually a violation of one of his most prized possessions. And he was so sweet about it, though. He saw that my intentions were good. But it was a really good learning experience for me because I realized, oh, no, the things that I see as loving and caring for somebody without good communication and without asking them, hey, does this translate as love to you? It, It might not be. And so that was something I learned from. I know that if I want to do something loving for someone, it's actually better to ask, would this feel like love to you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that story. I mean, yeah, whoops is for sure. Like, oh, I felt so bad. Uh, But... Oh, thank I mean, you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for sharing. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I'm, yeah, it's wonderful that he was so gracious about it, even if he was yeah. like, oh, like, yeah, he was probably so like disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> Oops. Well, I mean, thank you for for everything. Is there before we let you go? Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or share that you would like to get out into the the pod world? I don't think so. I think we touched on all the things that felt really important in my journey. So thank you. You asked some really good questions today. No, oh, wonderful. Well, we're happy to have you and happy to be able to tell the story. So yeah. thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah. Thank you. You too. And we're back. Thank you so much to Kat for reaching out to us. And actually, thank you to Peter and Dana for connecting us with Kat as well. Yeah, we're really grateful that they all decided to start seeing each other so that we could (laughs) interview all of them. So their relationship is benefiting everybody in the non-monogamy community. Yeah. Well, in the normalizing non-monogamy community. Yeah, in the normal, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was going to repeat, and then I realized that I was going to repeat what you were going to say. Yeah, you were going to repeat what I was going to say. You didn't have to. So thank you, Kat. We loved your story. And I mean, seriously, thank you for sharing it and for being a very positive uh, force in this community. Yes. So. So what? Next week? Before we go to next week, I just want to remind listeners that you can find show notes on our website. It is normalizingnonmonogamy.com. We have show notes with photos and contact information and resources for every guest, or every episode. And then we also have a contact us page. You can reach out to us. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also find links to our new sponsor, Alt Playground. And all of our other resources on the resources tab. Yes. While you're over on our website, I highly, highly recommend going to the contact us page (laughs) and sending us a message. Maybe send us a voice message. And hey, you know what? If you're thinking, I think my story is pretty interesting. I'd love to go on the show. Or even if you don't. And if you think your story is not interesting, you're wrong. It is always interesting. I would say 70% of the people on this show have started by telling us, well, my story is not that interesting. Right. And And then it is. And then it is. So you don't know what you're talking about. Reach out and come on the show. Yeah. Help help your fellow friends and (laughs) non-monogamous explorers out. Yes. I am really... What else do you have to do during the quarantine and COVID? You've got nothing to do. Except come on our show. Yep. 
we'll sit and chat. We'll have a great time. I mean, look how much we talk with just each other. I know. You are nailing it this one, aren't you? Nail it every week. Also, just it's a new bubbly fin. It is. So next week, we you have get a little an, more bubble action. <laughs> we have an interview with Sharita, and she is an amazing woman as well. Yes, and she was, if you want to do some background research, go back and listen to the panel discussion we did a few weeks ago, and you will hear part of Sharita's story, but you will get the full-blown Sharita Next week. Next week. And that is episode 133, The State of the Union. Yes. So with that, I will shut up and let Emma go to sleep. <laughs> Finally. Jeez. Finally. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you in a week. For still listening. Oh, my God. <laughs> we just keep going like the Energizer Bunny. I was trying to wrap it up, and then you just kept going. All right. Bye. All right.